There are, in our world, certain places that seem to draw on the strange, the unusual, the monstrous. And when you were a hip young teen coming of age in one of these locations, it doesn't matter if you are an aspiring scientific genius, a burgeoning telekinetic, or a social media influencer. Your safety is not guaranteed. In these dangerous times at Chillhaven High. In the Lynn residence, where Penny and Heck have just emerged from the slide uh, down into... <laughs> We're happy. Uh, down into the laboratory, where you see the sparks of welding and science information scrolling by on the screens, the floor scattered with equipment as uh, Zeke and Zeke and Vesper are hard at work replicating the witch head machine. Deacon, Deacon, Vesper. I'm imagining all of them like hyper-focusing on what they're doing. And I think Penny's just gonna quietly walk straight over and like peek over one of the Zeke, we'll say uh, teen Zeke's shoulder and just say, hey, how's it going? Ah! Sorry. Damn it. I was really zoned out there because I haven't been doing much. Uh, well then and then Penny walks to the other side of the older head and says hey how's uh, it going Penny good to see ya Zeke said that he didn't know what y'all were doing so I thought I'd ask you Zeke uh yeah just you know working on uh, duplicating Flo's weird witch head machine with my good buddy Vesper here oh yeah hi Vesper nice to see you again hello Penny hmm (laughs) (laughs) we will be friends Hi, Vesper. Hello, football boy. <laughs> His name is Heck. Four letters. I'm sure you can figure it out. Okay. <laughs> and then Vesper just gets back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you both. Right. <laughs> Penny's, Penny's like, I really got him. <laughs> got them good. And then Penny's going to walk back over to teenage Zeke's side and say, um, how much progress have you made? Is this going to take a long time? Uh, Zeke, is this going to take a long time? Oh, I don't know, another hour or so. Vesper, did you figure, uh, did you finish fabricating those power couplers yet? Yes, Zeke, I did. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I can tell, uh, 90% of the stuff that was crammed into the original machine was, uh, like, wishes and trinkets and nonsense. So if I just ignore all that crap, it speeds things up significantly. Cool. Well, hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's probably fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm almost done mixing up the mysterious purple goo. And old Zeke grabs a test tube and hands it to young Zeke. And he says, hold this. Okay. 
Okay, now give it back. All right. Now hold this one. All right. Okay, now give that one back. Okay. Okay, now I'm gonna mix them together. Did I need to do any of that? No, I just wanted to make you feel included. <laughs> and uh, old Zeke, one at a time, pours three test tubes of uh, brightly, like, primary colored liquids into an Erlenmeyer flask and swirls them around, and they turn a brown color, and then they turn a black color, and then they turn a bright, sparkly, fluorescent purple. And he says, Ooh. Eureka! You found it. And Sorry, that's the drag queen. <laughs> and he uh, takes a casing of his own construction. It's a glass tube with like brass fittings on the end and then a coil of copper running through the middle of it. And he takes the top part off and he pours the purple liquid and screws the top back on. And he says, we've got our power source. Vesper says, well, look at that. I guess a bunch of... Fake wizards and alchemists from hundreds of years ago have nothing on you. Nope. And uh, for the green <laughs> rock, uh, I I think it can just basically be anything crystalline. So uh, I took this big hunk of salt that Zeke had in the corner of his bedroom. Hmm. Zeke, have you been licking salt? <laughs> no, I just, I I sprinkle it on my fries and it, it just kind of piled up and I never cleaned it. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> Nasty. Mm. So we've got our power couplers, we've got our power source, and we've got our big ol' hunk of salt to focus it all. All we need now is the head of a dead witch. Yeah, I have not heard from Angela yet. I That's assume you probably haven't. good. I I don't know. She's supposed to be lost, so like in theory, we would want to not hear from her, right? Right. When I I just thought that like in our tops, it's been a while, but I'm sure she's fine. You thought it was you thought it was going to take an hour tops to get lost in the woods, not on purpose, and find a magical witch head. Yeah. During that whole exchange, Heck is nodding along as though he understands what you're saying, and Vesper is shaking their head, exasperated. <laughs> That's the, honestly those two characters in a nutshell. Is Heck is like an enthusiastic head shake, and Vesper is an exasperated. Head shake. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? What are we doing? I don't know. You just explained what you were doing, so I was. Oh yeah. Heck says. Heck says. Uh, well, I mean, I know. I know you all are really busy. Um, but uh, Penny, we we did come here to show them. The, oh my right, thing, right, right. Sorry, sorry, Heck. Um. Zeke, we have something kind of serious to show you. Um, Vesper, you're probably going to want to see this too. And um, Penny kind of like gestures for Heck to come like in between all of us and show the video on his phone. Yeah, Heck, uh, I think Heck's, Heck knows his way around this lab pretty well at this point. So I think Heck says, uh, Sophia? Heck, you're back. Is it time to dig around inside of you again? <laughs> no, not today, but do you want to help me play a video of other people doing that? I sure can, but I cannot help but feel a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> and she, from one of her iris doors, just sort of like, you see, just like a stagehand tossed it out the iris door, uh, a little coupler cable just sort of like flies out, and Heck grabs <laughs> it and plugs it into his phone. Nice. And then the night vision video plays uh, on the big science display screen. What? What? Oh, man. That is gnarly. 
That is quite the invasion of privacy. Why are they putting in so much effort just to put poop in your bowel? Hex shakes his head and he says it's all just part of the lie. They've been lying to him for who knows how long. And your mom is in on it. Well, I guess we kind of already knew that. but like freaking surprise there. Vesper just kind of grimaces. Well, heck, if it's any consolation, I'm pretty sure she sends goons into my bedroom to do this to me, too. So she sends goons into your bedroom to put poop in you. What? What? Uh, no, probably not. Not put poop in me. But, you know, she likes to be on top of my um, stats, as it were. Ugh. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I am. Sorry. Yeah, watching it happen to somebody else in a grainy night vision camera kind of highlighted for me for the first time how weird it was, actually. Yeah, it's pretty weird. (laughs) I think y'all might be kind of right about my mom. Yeah, your mom is a super villain. (laughs) Like, like, literally, I'm not not saying like, oh, your mom's so, so mean and strict. Like, literally, she's trying to take over the world. She's a super villain. Heck puts a hand on Vesper's shoulder and says, um, parents, am I right? Yep. Uh, um, my, yep. D- my dad turned out okay, to my surprise. Yeah, but what about your mom? <laughs> you know as much as I do about that. And I know that she's involved with a creepy eyeball in the sky. That doesn't seem great. Hmm. Oh, Zeke, your invention worked. You know the one? Of course it worked. Everything I build works. I'm just kidding. I can barely say that with a straight face. I did. I was being serious. <laughs> I was just trying to say thank you. You're welcome. I'm so happy it worked out for you. I'm so happy for you two crazy kids. Oh, I did offer, uh, I told Heg that if he was uncomfortable staying at his house, that he could probably stay here. So, I don't know, we could do like a group sleepover and since Angela's not here because I'm not sleeping that well anyway because I'm worried about her. Old Zeke says, sleepover, sleepover, sleepover. Heck also says, sleepover, sleepover, sleepover. <laughs> Vesper? <sighs> well, I mean, I, don't ha- I didn't bring my retainer. I feel like but, Zeke can make uh, you one, maybe. I'm not putting anything Zeke makes in my mouth. What about me? Yeah, you're still named Zeke. Oh. But honestly, yeah, it's probably safer here. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't want you to feel like I, uh, hmm, uh, I still don't like you, but the shit your mom does to you is really fucking awful, and I'm sorry that it happens to you. <laughs> yeah, no one deserves that. Sorry. Okay, great. Everyone, stop feeling sorry for me, and does no, nobody look at me anymore. Everyone look somewhere else in the lab. <laughs> I'm just gonna get back to work. And they Vesper drops their like welding go- uh, welding mask again and gets back to welding whatever part of this witch machine they're working on. Old Zeke walks up behind them and puts a hand on their shoulder and just says into their ear, it's okay, you'll open up in time. And I think Penny's just going to hop on a stool and kick back and watch and eat a tofu dog. <laughs> we cut to the Feywild, where moments ago, Angela Atticus Jr. has dove headfirst into a spooky underwater tunnel and a even spookier swamp. To get away from a bunch of nasty spiders. Okay. Angela, you hold your breath for as long as you can underneath this water. And you can't see anything. You make your way into this tunnel. And after kicking along for several feet, 
you kind of sense the walls opening up around you. But again, this water is swamp water. It's completely opaque and black. You do not see anything, but you feel yourself now in some kind of open water. And you start to panic a little bit when you realize that you are getting to the end of your breath and you don't see light or surface anywhere around you. And then... Okay, thank God. I was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm building something, but but do tell me, like, how Angela reacts. Freaking the fuck out, but mm -hmm. she's trying to, like, talk herself down because she... If, if she freaks out more, it's going to make her panic more, and she's going to lose her breath probably faster. So she's... She's not really scared of, like, the darkness. She's just scared of losing her breath. So the darkness doesn't scare her because I think in her new form, she, I mean, she's, like, slowly figuring out as she's, like, in nature and around nature and stuff. It's, she feels very comfortable mm -hmm. and not, like, that she's prey. She kind of feels more like a predator now. Mm -hmm. And so she's not scared of the darkness or anything. She's just scared of not breathing, so... Yeah, um, I think that fear sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, takes root in you and turns into panic. Uh, and moments later, Angela, you you run out of air. You do not have any air inside of you. Uh, and your body does that, that kind of reflexive thing and your mouth opens up and you gasp in water. Let me guess, Angela can breathe underwater. And then something very strange happened. No, Angela dies. This is a wrap on. That's Angela. why you don't. Have to, that's why you didn't have to roll. This is where you come to an end. All right, bye. It was fun. You allow this water to like kind of pass in and out of your lungs a couple of times, and then you feel on your body these little hair-like waterborne roots sprout out all over the surface. And you can't really see anything down here, but when you put your arm kind of as close to your face as you can to investigate these things, you see tiny little air bubbles converged around all of these little roots all over you. And you feel your body taking in breath, taking in oxygen from these roots. And then the panic subsides. I guess any sound I make is not gonna translate really because I'm underwater but Angela is very relieved and, yeah <laughs> um, she feels a lot better and she is going to try now that she's not in a hurry she's just gonna calmly calm down from, from what just happened and try to try to swim further to get out mm -hmm. yeah as your panic subsides and you are able to take in air from in this water through your, your planty little roots. You blink your eyes a few times and you're able now to just ever so slightly discern the direction from which the light is, is coming. You're able to see a little bit lighter colored hazy water above you than below you. And you infer the direction of the surface and start swimming towards it. And then a few moments later, uh, your antlers and then your head break the surface of the water and you see yourself in the center of a lake surrounded 
by trees. And then something grabs you by the ankle and pulls you right back down. Nice face. We Shit. got to a sleepover. Why do I exist? <laughs> we cut to the evening hours at the Lynn residence for a freaking slumber party. Where's everybody at? The Zeeks are, uh, they've changed into uh, their PJs. It's a pair of PJs that they owned as a child that they never let go of. And now they fit again. Uh, and it's got, <laughs> uh, and I think it's got a, like, an, like old timey, like 1950s, like Adam diagrams and uh, yeah, like random pieces of the periodic table just all over it in a splatter pattern. Sure. Jeff, Microscopes on there? Yep, definitely. Because Jeff for sure picked them out. Well, uh -huh. how do both of the heads fit in there? That's a great question. Did you cut a hole? They're button-up pajamas. Yep. Ugh. It's got a bit of a deep V, I guess. Yeah, just it's just a little low. <laughs> just I was trying left to throw a couple you a... buttons yeah. unbuttoned at the uh -huh. top there. Because our neck is really wide. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, a wide boy. Yeah, you got that, that Kurt Angle neck. Yeah, and we are, uh, we are in the kitchen. And I, I also, sorry, I feel like you're the only one that changed clothes for this. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Old Zeke ran upstairs right away and was like, I'm going to put on my PJs. <laughs> I feel like Jeff would give Penny like an oversized shirt to wear or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the Je uh, the Jeffs, the Zeeks are. <laughs> oh, no. The terrifying prospect. The Zeeks are in the kitchen uh, and old Zeke is furiously whipping up a batch of homemade chocolate chip cookies. Uh, Voila. While young Zeke uh, just kind of stands there tired and exasperated. Okay, now we get these little babies in the oven. They're going to be ready to go, and everyone's going to be so happy. They're going to taste so good. Why are we Why are we making cookies? Because we're hosting a slumber party for all of our friends. Yeah, we, we are having a slumber party. How are you... Why are you like this? Like, you're presumably me, and like I'm not happy with the fact that there's a second head on my body and that my body is that of a child. But you're like really chipper all the time and just having a having a grand old time with this whole situation. What the what the fuck is up with that? It's really driving me up a wall. Oh, I I don't know. I I guess I just kind of figure that like I'm not really gonna be around. You know, for long, like, whichever one of us is the original Zeke, I'm not gonna be here in this state as I am for much longer once we figure this shit out. So I'm just I, having fun while I'm here. Mm. Man. Here for a good time, not a long time. Yep. Man, that is, that is a, that's a heavier answer than I expected from myself, but <laughs> all right, man. I, anyway, let's get back out to our friends, huh? Penny, what's paint this lumber party scene for me? Okay, so I think we're all still wearing our regular clothes because we, I don't know, we don't have clothes here and it was weird to just all go up to the same two rooms and change together. That seems weird. So, like, I might sleep <laughs> in something different, but I, we're, I'm still wearing my regular clothes. But I uh -huh. think we're all, uh, I, we're probably all hanging in, like, Zeke's room. That's slumber party etiquette, yeah. So, um, I think Penny has requested 
Penny has never had a sleepover. She has never had this many friends, even though two, one of them is kind of not real and attached to Zeke's head, and then the other one doesn't super like her, but it's okay. Um, she's super excited. She doesn't know exactly what to do, but she knows that like something has to be happening at all times. That's like the definition <laughs> of a sleepover. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and you don't sleep. So, so Penny has like grabbed just things from the fridge. She didn't like put anything together for snacks. She just like grabbed an armful of stuff. So it's like, I don't know, two pieces left in a pack of turkey and like a half finished bottle of like diet Pepsi or something uh-huh. and just yep. a bunch of garbage like chips, uh, popcorn. pickle jar. Yeah, some like leftover mm. pizza and it's just like sprawled out on the floor. And I think, floor? Yeah, yeah, that's how you do it with your friends. <laughs> And I you think, still have your hot dog belt on? Yes. <laughs> Swinging okay. it around. Slumber <laughs> <laughs> party! And I think, I think Penny has requested that um, that Sophia play music. I just want some like good bubblegum pop. So yeah, I think Penny's just kind of like bebopping around, having a good time, telekinetically like throwing uh, pieces of popcorn into Heck's mouth and like making it hard because I assume that since he's good at football, it's like catching little tiny footballs in his mouth. So, like, he's catching them all, and I'm throwing them all over the place. Uh-huh. Um, I like how you're like, he's good at football. Therefore, he will be good at catching food with his mouth. You catch catching one thing, football. you catch all them things. Exactly, yeah. with any part of your body. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks also known for their catching in yes. football. With their mouth. Yes. <laughs> the Zeeks sit down next to Vesper on the floor. And old Zeke pats them too hard on the back and says, uh, I just wanted to thank you for all of your help today. You're a true friend now, and you'll be a true friend to this one for years to come. Okay. Um, I don't know if whatever Zeke did, whatever you did to yourself. We're not sure either. Yeah, to produce whatever you are. I don't think you're from the future. Think you're more like a tumor so we're not friends and zeke and i aren't friends and stop touching me mm. <laughs> okay yeah i think we cut i think that bubblegum pop the volume sort of like raises up to it until it overtakes the audio of the scene and so now the song is just kind of playing over the scene of penny and the zeke's and heck and vesper just like Bopping around, chatting, eating snacks. I think we see Saber like kind of float up outside of Zeke's window and knock Yay. and like Penny let her in. And Saber uh, has manifested ghostly pajamas on herself. <laughs> and yeah, we just have this kind of nice little little moment as this pop song plays over all of y'all being friends and hanging out. While I'm dying. And then we smash cut to Angela, <laughs> head and antlers. Rapidly submerging beneath the surface of a forest lake as she fights for her life. Again. Always. So I'm underwater. Yes, you are. Is something still holding on to me? Yes, they are. Um Is it stronger is it strong? strong yes, school? it is. Um, Angela's gonna reach down, like, she's kind of floundering around underwater, and she's gonna reach down to feel what is on her ankle, because she's in a magical forest, like, what, what kind of thing is on me? You reach down 
and you feel a huge, elongated, bony hand. And as you're pulled below the surface, you get just enough light to glimpse a hideous, malformed face with a humongous, grinning mouth and long, black tendrils of hair that fill the water in all directions before this creature pulls you down far enough that the light no longer touches. Is it bigger than me? It's big, but it's it. what you can see before uh, you can't see anything again is it's big, but it's it's gangly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think Angela is going to have a little freak out moment because uh-huh. she's just sick of it all. She's sick of getting attacked with all the changes, but um, she's having a freak out because she's so pissed at everything about just the constant shit storm of stuff happening. And it's like, for she gets like a relief and like a happy moment for one second. And then of course something pulls her back down. Uh-huh. So she- Right when I think I got out, <laughs> they pull me back in. <laughs> so I think she's just like, yeah, having this freak out moment. And then she's gonna do that thing again where she puts out her hands. Um, and spreads her fingers apart. And when she's doing it this time, she's screaming underwater while she's doing this. Uh-huh. Give and me th- a screaming underwater real quick. Uh-oh. Uh, like a... Like that. Kind of. Is that a scream underwater? Yeah. <laughs> Don't do the blue little part. It sounds like a turkey. <laughs> Just go like... There you go. Okay. And then she's going to pull her hands in front of her body, turn her palms towards the creature, and I think scream more. And like, in her mind, she's like trying to push force out of her hands and like onto this creature. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think your prevailing thought is just like, get away. Yeah, Yeah. push away. Like trying to, even though like, she can't really like push off from the water, but she's like trying to push off from the water. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Angela, so you you reach your hands down and you focus on that all-encompassing thought of get the fuck away from me, you dirty swamp creep. <laughs> and um, you feel on your hands the surface, kind of the, this woody surface of your hands split and crack and you feel dozens of these little thorny seed kind of objects start to push their way through these cracks. And then you you see the disruption in this murky water as all of these little objects launch out of your hands and down in the direction of this creature that's grabbed you. And you get a sharp burst of pain in your legs as this thing's claws slide all the way down your legs and you feel the heat of your your green blood spilling into the water as they penetrate the bark of your legs. But then their grip releases and you see this sort of like concussive blast of water as your projectiles that you've essentially created, your plant projectiles, your burst of thorns crashes and explodes into this thing and sends it careening down into the murky depths. And just like that, like a runner jumping off the block, 
uh, without that pull down, you're able to just rush to the top of the water and break the surface and drag yourself to the edge of the lake. Angela, you drag yourself out of the water and now you have an opportunity, you have time to really examine your surroundings here. As I said, you are in a grove of trees. You can't quite identify the species, but they are a dense, shrubby kind of tree, almost like a dogwood, but darker and more gnarled. And the terrain here seems to have gone back towards forest from swamp, but the ground here is still very murky and marshy. And the palette here is black and greenish black and brownish black. Everything around you is dark and wet and twisted and ominous. How badly am I bleeding? You look down at your leg and you see four long parallel scratches down your calf. Your green planty blood doesn't seem to be running out too freely. Uh, it seems a bit more viscous than the blood that you had before. So it smarts pretty bad, but you don't get the sense that you're going to bleed out. Okay. I think Angela's going to like rummage around in her backpack and see if she, she didn't bring any band-aids or first aid or anything. And her backpack is like soaked at this point and not in good shape after like all the adventures that she's been going on recently. So she's going to just like, she's strong. She's going to mm. rip the backpack and like just tie it around her little injury. <laughs> just yeah, to a little Jansport bandage. Yeah, just to kind of stop the bleeding because um, it also kind of, she freaks her out a little bit. Sorry, I it's we can't say Jansport because it's. Uh... Pansport. Oh, I was going to say Denali Sport. Oh, you can call it Denali Sport. Okay. Denali. Yeah. Jan. So you rip your little Denali sport backpack uh, and make a bandage out of it. <laughs> yeah, the green blood is a little freaky for her. Like she can deal with the the teeth and the the arm and the antlers and stuff, but the green blood is a little unsettling. A little so two goosebumps. Really Look like jello. Yeah, like Nickelodeon slime coming yeah. out of her. So she ties herself up and then kind of just sticks the leftover like snacks and stuff in her um, pockets of what she can take with her. Mm -hmm. And um, she's gonna kind of like look around and take in her surroundings again. And I think she's just gonna like chill for a second. Cause okay. it was like a really intense, I don't however long that was, it was just really intense. So I think she's just gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just collect myself for a second. And she's gonna sit down and breathe sure so you angela you sit down and get your breath under control these these little hair-like roots that your body produced underwater have retracted back into you and you feel yourself breathing with lungs again breathing normally again and you kind of relax and take in your surroundings a little bit you sort of like get the vibes of this zone which are ominous. I would say the vibes here are ominous. <laughs> That's never good. No. no. 
as you're sort of chilling and looking around at this this grove of trees, something sort of glittering and reflective catches your eye from one of the nearby trees. <laughs> Do I have to? <laughs> Where in the tree is it? Uh, I have it's, to know. It's near the base. So as I said, these trees are like they're 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 like the trees where instead of one big trunk, it's just like a kind of bushy, like a bundle of little trunks. So it's coming from the inside of the tree. Um, Angela thought she was going to get a second to just friggin' chill, but she rolls her eyes and pushes herself to get up and go <sighs> over to the tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can, no, we, we can say that you've had time to chill when you notice this, like. Okay. Angela is well rested and ready to move on. <laughs> um, she sees the glittering in the tree, the sparkliness, and she kind of like looks all around her because she thinks it might be like a trap or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Already so jaded by this forest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I felt like she was being a little too chill and just following Thatch and then Thatch abandoned her. So now she's, yeah, she's a little upset. So um, in Thatch's defense, they met you like I don't even want to talk about it. An hour ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so Angela's going to go over to where the tree is, but she's going to walk slowly and she's going to look around her shoulder a lot because she's she doesn't she doesn't want to get hurt well she doesn't want to get hurt more uh yeah you cautiously approach this tree and you see sort of enmeshed in this like gnarl of trunks and branches and stuff you know when like a tree grows up around like a mailbox or a fence post or something Mm -hmm. you see uh enmeshed in this tree in this wood a broken piece of a very ancient looking metal helmet. And you also see scattered kind of amongst the, the branches and the in, uh, other places in the core of this tree, other little pieces of broken armor, as well as human bones. Ooh, that's pretty gruesome and cool. Um, Angela's going to start taking down everything. You go to uh, to remove any of the bone or armor, and you find it difficult. It's it, the, tree, the tree seems to have grown up through and around this stuff. Okay. Angela's exploring further. So she is kind of touching everything. You know how she does. She's a real, She likes to touch everything. Um, and so as she notices that she can't get the stuff out of the tree, she moves on and walks further into the forest um, to see if there's any other stuff in the trees. Yeah, uh, there super is. What? As you walk further into this grove and examine further trees, you realize that every single tree here has grown up through and around some kind of human remains. Every single tree has bones, skull fragments. Some of them have uh, ancient tattered pieces of clothing. Others also have tattered and broken pieces of armor. Some of the trees appear to have grown up in little clusters together and others individually. But you, and they're all kind of spaced out here, and this is the only kind of tree growing here, and you get the sense that you are walking through an orchard of death. 
Angela starts freaking out a little bit as she notices that she's walking through a graveyard. And um, she could have been turned into one of these trees because it literally almost happened to her um, with the spiders crawling all over her and everything. So it's kind of freaking out. And she's um, now trying to get out of this area. So she's going to just kind of like, without causing too much noise or disturbances, because she knows that there's things around here that are bad and can hurt her. Um, she's just kind of kind of like walk out, like try to just escape Power walk area. out. Power walk like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Angela, you try to quickly but carefully <laughs> power walk out of this death orchard. And... As you move forward through this, uh, you notice that the trees start to get further apart. They're, they're starting to thin out a little bit. And then moments later, you emerge into a clearing. At the center of this clearing is what at first you think is another tree, but this one far, far larger and wider and more sprawling than the others. But as you get closer, you recognize that within it, within these gnarled and intertwining branches is a large humanoid form. And once your eyes lock on that, it's able to resolve the rest of this scene. And you see what appears to be a tremendous humanoid made out of tree, made out of bark and branches. It actually looks like, you know when bees make hives inside of statues and it's a hive shaped like a human being? That's what this looks like. It looks like a tree that grew up around a mannequin. You see a face with hollow eyes and a hollow mouth. It's seated in a massive throne that is also grown up out of the ground and is composed out of the same branches and tree. It's impossible to discern where the throne starts and the person stops. And out of the head of this humanoid tree form are two massive antler-shaped branches that form sort of a mini canopy. They're so large uh, over this clearing. In front of this person throne tree conglomeration and sort of entwined within it, you see a large polished wooden sword. And just in front of that, at the edge of where the other trees had stopped, I said that some of these trees seem to have grown up individually and some seem to have grown up in clusters. You see a, a cluster of trees right at the edge, right at the barrier between the rest of the forest and this throne tree. You see a cluster of three trees, two of them large and one of them small. And in that small tree, you see the tattered remains of a familiar pair of pajamas. Damn. That's really sad. Angela is r- really taken aback. She, You can see, like, her expression in her face is completely... It went from, like, fear from hightailing it out of that graveyard to just, like, heartbroken. Because all of this is also very new to her. 
and she, just like myself, Megan, forgets that Angela isn't human and that she, this isn't something that just like happened to her. This is like actually who she really is. And so she's pretty, you can see how upset she is by it. Um, And she walks closer to the tree um, to kind of take a better look at the pajamas. Yeah, within this tree, as in within all of the others, are encased human remains. They are the bones of a child about five years old. And in the two trees that stand beside it are the remains of adults. Oh, fuck. And then you hear something that at first you think is wind moving through the ancient branches of the throne tree and its occupant. But then that wind takes form and you understand it to be a voice. And you hear a voice, ancient, raspy, broken, emerge from within the wood itself. And you hear it say, Ah, my lost child, you have returned to me. Angela balls up her fist and wipes like two tears off of um, her face really quick because she feels like she's mourning the loss of herself and her family. Um, And then she turns around and smiles and looks at this creature and says, I've been looking for you. Cut back to the Lynn residence. It's the middle of the frickin' night. Dark outside? You betcha. Crickets? There's a bunch of them. Everybody's asleeping, I think. Saber sleeps, hovering just slightly over the ground. Vesper has made a little nest of blankets in the corner as far away from everyone else as they can get themselves. Frickin' rat. Uh, The two Zeeks, I think, passed out holding... A GameCube controller. Okay. Penny. Yeah? You are awoken in the middle of the night. You awake shivering and in a cold sweat. The room feels like an icebox. And you can see your breath. The only illumination in this room is the static coming from the television set. Son of a bitch. Everyone else is fast asleep. Um, I think Penny's going to walk over to the TV and kind of give it a good like slap on the side. You know what you do with TVs when uh-huh. they aren't working right? Give it a little jostle. Yeah, you, you smack the TV and the static stops. And the TV returns to its black reflective surface. Like a black mirror, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. In that black reflective surface of the television, Penny, you see yourself 
eyes open, third eye currently closed. You see the sort of distorted fish-eyed reflection of your friends scattered about the room and sleeping. And you see something behind you, directly behind you, on the wall, above Zeke's bed. Um, Penny's gonna whip around as quickly as her little body can. Uh, you whip around as quickly as your little body can, which is fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Medium quick. <laughs> and you see now what you saw the suggested reflection of in the TV screen. Across the entire back wall of Zeke's of Zeke of the Zeke's Lynn's bedroom in what appears to be blood is written in gigantic letters murderer I was totally zoned out. I was contemplating my jealousy for the people who put the poop inside of heck. I don't like jealousy, I think. Good thing I can never be jealous of the people in the credits because I love them too much. Let's hear about these people I love. Penny White is performed by Bess Lawson. Angela Atticus Jr. is performed by Megan Slessman. Zeke Lynn is performed by James Chedlar. James is also the composer and sound designer for the podcast. Every single other living thing in Chillhaven is performed by Philip Slesman, who is also the producer and game master. Our introduction was performed by Ethan Waldron. Additional sound effects by ZapSplat.com. Monster of the Week tabletop game, created by Michael Sands. Okay, back to thinking about jealousy. G R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R R